Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. Ready to sing out? You take off your coat. Is that Tom? Real. Real slow. That's Tom. You're going to have a guess now what I've been up to, haven't you? Yeah. I could play this all day. I have been to see... Da, da, da. Oh, God. Magic Mike. You know it was coming. This there is the final Magic Mike, isn't it? It's called Magic Mike The Last Dance, but I'm hoping, I'm always going to hope that he's going to be dragged up again. But everybody that listens to this podcast will know that I will have done that this week. Everybody. If you don't, you, you're not a long-termer, are you? You're not a long-termer. Oh, my God. Is there a plot? Who cares? Who cares? Plot? Who cares? No, there actually is a plot. Summer Hayek. It's, no, it's just sort of, you know, very sort of typical. Very I, read a, I read a review saying the plot was a bit Pretty Woman-ish. Yeah, it's kind of like um, he's a bartender. His, his, his stripping business, his shows have gone down um, and failed. So he's, he's, he's a bartender at a charity event. The woman who's running the charity event is very rich, very beautiful. Summer Hayek. So, yeah, very beautiful. She's quite short, though, isn't she? Stunning. And what I loved about it, I loved the fact that the leading woman in it, who gets the gorgeous, gorgeous, and he looks even better now than he did. Oh, my God. And who's, like, thrown round, you know, she rides him like a helter-skelter. I mean, who the hell wouldn't want to slide down that ride? Is 56. She's not a skinny Who's little 56? mini. Salma. Salma Hayek is yep. 56? No. She is. She How is. do you know that? I Googled it. I Googled it. Nicola Bear did some research, I everybody. Did. Well, I was just so impressed that the leading woman was older, curvy, had wrinkles. Short. Was still beautiful, dynamic, confident, and she was the one that was rich. She was the one that took the lead. And I really liked it about that. But I didn't really care about the plot. I really didn't. I didn't really care about the plot. Um, He is just beautiful. He's just beautiful. And there's some great lines in it. And, you know, when so basically he puts together a show in the theatre that she owns. And he tells all these dancers that he's, he's handpicked all these dancers that are absolutely fantastic. And he says to them, you'll have to learn to protect yourself in a zombie apocalypse of repressed desire. And it really made me laugh because it is true. I have been to hen nights. I have been to these like Chippendales type show and all these mums 
and these middle-aged women and all these little polite people. My nan, we took my nan to the Chippendales and we went up on stage afterwards like to have pictures taken and there's my nan clinging to this oiled, muscular body. I mean, I don't blame her. I don't blame her. But even my quiet little nan, my mum, we had to pull Do you think there's an argument, though, that... Men aren't allowed to wolf whistle or upskirt or be sexist or anything, but women are. I mean, I get that criticism a lot. Why am I allowed to, you know, objectify David Cassidy or whatever? But don't you think that the difference is that women are quite harmless? No, we're, we're not. not. We're not. We are. You ain't not... been to the Chippendales, mate, and seen them in the audience. Literally, these boys. They're but aren't we redressing 4,000 years of oppression and we have a right to ogle? Do you think that's true? I think I think it's all rubbish. I love getting wolf whistled. I mean, it ain't happened for a long time, but I love it. I think it's a compliment. We are men, women. We find each other attractive. As long as it's done in a respectful, non-invasive way... Like, yeah, these guys are going on stage and they're putting themselves out for women to appreciate. And if the women appreciate them, as long as they don't go up and start sticking their hands down their pants, what's the problem? It's a mutual... They're selling tickets to be ogled. Do you know what I mean? It's it's giving permission. If men go to lap dance places and strip shows... I just I, no, truthfully, I don't see the problem. And can you honestly? Does Thrusting ever get tired if it's Magic Mike? It doesn't. It doesn't get tired. And I think we can we can be politically correct. But we're men and we're women, and it's fun, and we enjoy it as long as it's no, as long as it's fun. Respectful. But I do think there's a truth there: is that women aren't dangerous. There isn't that fear. What was that famous quote in a film? You know, a, a man is worried women are going to laugh at him. Women are worried you're going to kill us. Where was that from? Oh, God. No, I remember I remember you talking about that before. I, I don't remember where it's from, but I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think... I don't, I don't think it's just about whether or not you're going to kill us. I think women can be just as invasive and, and inappropriate as men. You can still stick your hand down... A bloke's pants and grab his balls. You can still, you can still be overly invasive. You can still be too intimate, and that in itself isn't pleasant. It's still a violation. It is still a violation. I mean, just because, like, with a female stripper or a male stripper or anybody in in that industry, just because you're putting on a show, it does not give anyone the right to manhandle you. There's still a line that you shouldn't cross. Do, do you know what I mean? I mean, Salma crosses it in big style. I mean, she really does, but. But you know Summer Hyatt is married to one of the richest men in the world. Yes, yes. And, uh, and, and earlier Liz said to me, I don't understand why she's doing it. She doesn't need the money. Um, like, uh, Channam Tatey? No, you said, have you seen who she's married to? Have you seen who she's married to? And uh, Channam Tatey? Of course I always think, this is, uh, I, this is my theory, and we may not agree, people who have enough money should stop working and let other people have a go. I don't know because if you do it because you've got a passion and you love it and it's what no, you want to do. No, people are just greedy. No, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes you work for a passion, and to be fair, you wouldn't have to pay me to do that. For you. I don't think money's the relevant thing here. She rode him like a roller coaster. She was flipped round like a pizza base at an Italian, 
And she was a very happy woman because I'm telling you that smile on her face was genuine. That was from to the divine. She was grateful, as we all were. The only problem with that film, though, is... What film? Magic Mike. Is you are we still on Magic Mike? Because I want to make a really important point here. You crawl away from that film on the knees of disappointment. You ride a landslide of misery. Why? That, that can never be your life. It's like it's two hours of entertainment and it, it's actually a life goal of something that's just not achievable. Like, you look at him, your dreams are built up, your expectations are amplified, and you're just desperate for your own magic mic, and then it comes crashing to reality, and you go back to the life that's yours, and you go home to Martin. Oh. Or whoever, whoever. Whoever it is, it's not bloody magic mic. So these films, they build you up into a place of deep fantasy and joy. Stop growling. But your life is never going to be like that. No. It's never going to be like that. It's not. I could imagine Channing Tatum's quite difficult. Oh. I've I could imagine him. he's a bit he's a bit Miranda Priestley-ish. Oh, I've imagined him, Liz. I have imagined him for many hours. Is he your number one pin-up? Yeah, he is. It's the, it's the fluid way he dances and the way he picks you up. Sticks you on his shoulders with yeah, his you face. See, the in your the reality of these men, and I speak from experience. So there was a very funny piece in the Times yesterday talking about an evening with Richard Curtis, who obviously made all my favourite films. He sent yeah. me an email once <laughs> saying, Go away. <laughs> oh, at least it was something. So I get emails from. Brian May of Queen about badgers. Badger. He just emails. He just he just emails me about could badgers. Be worse. It could be worse. No antidotes about Freddie. Just badgers. Could be worse. And then I get an email from Richard Curtis saying go away. But anyway, he did an evening talk, and he was talking about how he made films and sex scenes, and he talked about Hugh Grant. I know, <gasps> I know you love Hugh Grant. I love Hugh. And he said Hugh Grant is ninety nine percent scoundrel. Which is why we love him. It is. It's why we love him. But he also wrote about Colin Firth in Bridget Jones. Who we also love. And he said he was a bad kisser, at least on screen. And after his below-par snogging on Bridget Jones, that snog in the snow wasn't very good, was it? It was Awkward. But Awkward. I would have worked Awkward. with it. I would have. He's no magic mark, I've got to give you that. So after his below snogging on Bridget Jones, they decided he needed a kiss coordinator for Love Actually. <laughs> and when his novelist character at the end embraces with the Portuguese cleaner in Love Actually, he had a choreographer telling him how to do it and where to put his hands. No. Colin, Mr no. Darcy. See, Chad and Tate ain't going to need no choreographer, I'll tell you that for nothing. Oh, my God, no, that man's like an octopus. Do you think that's a bit disappointing with Colin? It's very disappointing because it's not living up to my expectations. It's not. It's not. But I have to say, I've sort of not in- I'm not interested in Colin anymore. Oh, Hugh, really, at this point. I'm, I'm completely focused. My tongue is hanging out. Do you know how my Valentine's Day went, talking of Chan and Tate in perfection? 
Come on then, tell us how Valentine's Day went. Well, I got breakfast in bed and no, I had didn't. a lovely tray no, you with didn't. presents. No, you didn't. And then I got a dozen red roses no, sent you didn't. to me. No, you didn't. With balloons. No. And then a text saying, meet me at the restaurant I've no, got you for didn't. dinner. And I had an amazing evening where my partner made me feel so special and so loved. And then you woke up. And then I woke up and then I had Boris, who, who does love me and looks after me. Nothing, nothing, nothing. You've turned into me. I am you. Nothing, I, nothing, nothing. I am your shorter but wider mini-me. Nothing, 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 nothing. I got nothing. nothing. I got nothing, 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 nothing. Well, you gave me some flowers, didn't you? I did. But I, I couldn't did. appreciate them because I just had my rug cleaned and then someone diaried on the carpet. I did. No, nothing. He was supposed to come home. Uh, early, still nine o'clock. I'm still at I work. I don't think you should call where you live his home. I think well, that's too enabling. Nothing, 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 nothing. But I also bought you some carrot cake, didn't I? It was vegan. It was as hard as a rock. And I, I mean, I ate it. I don't know what she's talking about. I ate it. So she picks up this carrot. Cake. It's not Otolengi, is it? She puts it in her mouth and literally spits it onto her plate. And what did you say? I said, I don't put anything that's not quality in my mouth. She actually said that. At which point, obviously, I was thinking of every possible inappropriate response and ex-boyfriends. But you then repeated it, didn't you? I don't put anything in my mouth that doesn't taste good. Or is quality. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) I'm gonna just. I'm gonna have that tattooed. You know? I'm not putting anything in my mouth. That's you can have quality. it on my grave. She never put anything that wasn't quality in her mouth. Well, I beg to differ. I beg to differ because we've heard some of your stories. Well, <laughs> I saw a film called Alice Darling, which didn't have Channing Tatum in it. Sadly, Is that a bit more upmarket. <laughs> well, it starred Anna Kendrick. Do you know who Anna Kendrick is? No. Well, she was in Pitch Perfect with Rebel Wilson. Oh, chick flicky thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't do them. She doesn't do them, but she does magic mic. That is a chick flick. I'm sorry to tell you, it is. It's it's soft porn. That's what it is. Let's let's not let's not muck about here. That is porn. Anyway, I saw Alice Darling starring Anna Kendrick and it's about this woman and she's quite successful. She's got all her own hair, teeth, a job and she's got a very, very controlling boyfriend. So if she's out for dinner with her girlfriends, he's texting her so she can't concentrate. She says, I've got to leave early, I've got to go home, I've got to go home, I've got to go home. Awful. And she... One of her girlfriends has a birthday and they hire a cabin. Why in America do they all have cabins? I want a cabin. They all have cabins. Why I want a cabin? And then there's always axe murder in the woods with Yeah, but it's lovely interiors. So she goes away for a, a long weekend with her two girlfriends for their birthday in this cabin, but she lies to her boyfriend because he doesn't want to go in with her friends and says he's off for a work day. And she finally realises how oppressed she's been and it was quite sad really because i have been abusive coercive controlling relationship that and she keeps saying in the film he didn't hit me he didn't hurt me 
But that isn't the point. Being controlled and scared of someone is awful. And I have to say here on this podcast that I have been in a relationship that has been controlling, yeah. not a boyfriend. And it made me very scared. You're not yourself. You have to hide things. You have to pretend. You have to say, no, I'm not going on a date with a man because she thinks you're going to turf her out and I'm not going to make dinner for your new boyfriend. And so I have been in that situation and it is very, very hard to get out of. And nobody believes you. Even when you call the police, they don't believe you. And I think as well, with these these sorts of non-physically abusive relationships or situations... It's insidious, isn't it? It creeps in. Someone starts controlling you, but it's gradual. It creeps in. They start making remarks. You start being careful what you say. Yeah. You know, it's, and you sort of have to lie yeah. when you're going somewhere because you know they're not going to like it. Yeah. And I, you know, I just remember not wanting to go home, and I remember just staying in the office late because I didn't want to go home. And then I started going to Pilates classes at Pineapple because I didn't want to go home. And I never told this person I was going to Pilates because she, she said, well, that's so expensive. Why aren't you home for dinner? And then, and, 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 and. so I went secretly to Pilates classes. It's unbelievable. But then, unfortunately, a colleague phoned my home and the person trying to control me found out I was an exercise class and was very jealous about it, that I was actually doing something for myself and not wanting to come home. And I would sit in my car until this person had gone out so that I could go home. I'd sit in my car and wait till they'd gone out. And I couldn't exercise at home because they were self-indulgent and I should be cleaning so I hired a dance studio in the high street so I could go and exercise at a dance studio. And they said, oh, are you a dancer? I couldn't exercise in my own home because they, it wasn't anything helping them. No. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was actually quite moved by this film and I loved the way her two girlfriends stuck up for her. And I do think you do need someone in your life to stick up for you, you and Always. say, no... This isn't normal. You don't deserve to live like this. So I spent years sitting in my car, working late in the office, going to exercise classes to avoid being at home. You just made a really good point, though, about normal, because it kind of becomes normal, doesn't it? If you've got someone behaving in a certain way, in an abusive way, you become used to it. Or even if it's not abusive, even if it's just. But not even if you try life. to tell someone, like a relationship expert, well, actually, they don't want me doing sit ups in the sitting room to Michael Jackson because it wakes them up and I'm not cleaning. They think it's quite trivial, but it's, it's not. absolutely not trivial when it's you're not. controlled by someone else. It's not. And it's all these micro comments isn't it it's all these you're terrified yeah that you're late they're never terrified they're late you're terrified that you're late you're terrified everything isn't pristine or you got paint on the carpet or you burnt the carpet because you did the fire too quickly and it was still hot um 
they don't want you having anyone else in your life. So if you bring a man home, you're disgusting, you're disgusting. And they're very mercurial as well, aren't they? You know, you can be having a conversation, everything will be fine, you say the wrong thing, yeah. and they snap and they change, and you don't even know what you've said. So then you're watching every single word you've said in case you're saying the wrong thing because you don't But it's funny, I, I, I think of myself more now as I'm older as a stronger person, but in my 20s I wasn't a strong person. And I was having lots of psychiatric problems and I wasn't eating... And I was prescribed a steroid called prednisolone. Yeah. And I even took the steroid secretly because I was worried about the reaction it would have with this controlling person. And once she found the drugs and said, why are you taking them? Do you have cancer? Why are you taking them? And it was like no aspect of my life was private or my own time. No. And that's horrendous, isn't it? Because you sort of lose your autonomy. You sort of end up feeling you're accountable for everything you do, everything you say. It's it's shocking. It's shocking. I feel so much for anybody that's in that situation. I think really, I think some people react by closing down and not caring and just ignoring. But if you're quite sensitive and not confident and very anxious and nervous... You're just constantly firefighting. Yeah. And hiding and lying. But it sort of starts off, doesn't it? You know, they start off, it's it's little things. And then it starts off with you thinking, oh, I'll just let that go. Or it's easier to let that go. Or, oh, I just won't say anything. It'll be easier. And then it becomes normal. It becomes a habit. And then it becomes more and more stressful. They take you know you they sort of start crossing boundaries more and more you give more and more for an easy life these things build up and you don't even know you're doing it and it's it it always interests me that people on the outside they're quite in a way judgmental they think it's very easy to get out of they think you should just tell the other person to bugger off but that's not the reality is it that's just not the reality no so in this film you're thinking well you know why don't you just dump him But, you know, they were living together and he turns up at the log cabin because he's found out she's on holiday, she's not working because she lied to him and he takes her off and there's a very sort of shocking ending. But they can seem really nice. They want to look after you. Do do you know what I mean? So I, although I haven't been in that sort of relationship with a man, I do know what it's like to be in a controlling relationship where they want to control every aspect of your life. Awful. And if you dare to make crumbs or put the knife in the wrong sink or do anything that they don't like, you're going to you're going to cop it. Yeah. Do you want to hear this week's column? I do. What have we got this week? My anxiety hits the roof. Well, you know. Ah, okay. And actually, Nicola is now an illustration. Do you like being an illustration? I'm quite pleased with this illustration. because It looks nothing like you. No, I'm quite thin, I'm very young, and I've got a swingy ponytail. And Grace is in the illustration as well, and Grace is very pleased about that. She is. She's absolutely thrilled to be in an illustration, Gracie. Well, Gracie looks more like Gracie than I look like me, but I prefer the me in the illustration to the me in the mirror. So that's okay. I can live with that. 
Tuesday. Not my best day. The Tuesday. I had to drive to York for a work assignment. I've never been to York before, despite living in Yorkshire since 2012. I've always too busy. I got lost in the one-way system and became very stressed. There's lots of roundabouts, aren't there, in one-way system. We've destroyed really every cathedral city in the, in this country by putting in precincts and one-way systems. How many times did we go over that blasted bridge? Well, you've got no sense of direction. None. None. I became very stressed. Very. There was nowhere to park, and so I broke the habit of a lifetime. I parked in a multi-storey car park. Uh-oh. And it goes downhill from here. Above a shopping centre. I hate shopping centres. I hate shopping centres. They are the spawn of Satan. Yeah. It was quite. It was quite an upmarket one, though. To no, be it fair. wasn't. Wasn't it? No, Charlotte it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was a Primark. <laughs> I ran to my meeting with Nick, you, me, yes, who was there to take photographs, and Gracie, the collie in tow. Thank God I didn't leave Gracie in the car. The meeting went on for hours. We stopped for something to eat. My God, that place was awful. 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 My card was declined. Also awful. You might say, well, why don't you check the balance on your phone, on your app? But my business account, because it obviously it was a business day, is not in my name. I'm not allowed to control any control over it, and I'm not allowed to access it. Part of the restrictions of being a bankrupt. Dejected, we walked back to the shopping centre. There was a portcullis over the pedestrian entrance to, next to Fennec. It was only 7.20pm. We circumnavigated the shopping centre, found the entrance where we'd driven in, locked. I noticed small print on the signage. This car park closes at 7pm. <laughs> Would never happen in London. What car park on a shopping centre closes at 7 I mean, apart from this one. I'd, literally, how? Normally, I would have checked and double-checked, but when I'm stressed, I can barely function. I tried not to panic. We were in a strange city, 50 miles from home, with an elderly collie. Normally, I'd have called Nick, got her to pick me up, but she was with me. Her chargers were in the car, as were her house keys. I tried to flag down a taxi. He looked quite scared, didn't he? We well, sort of were almost dragging him out, like, take us home, take but us home. But the driver refused to even speak to me. We asked people for directions to the train station. No one knew, did they? Oh, I don't know. Well, what are you walking around here for if you don't know where you Everybody are? Everybody in York was a tourist. There were no locals. Oh, I hate tourists. The reason we kept asking people for directions, my phone was about to die. We started walking and finally found the train station. A woman, presumably a computer, was making an announcement about cancellations, but I couldn't hear what she was saying. When I'm stressed, I become even more deaf. I hate that woman. I craned my neck at the board. The next train was at 8.11pm to North Allerton, still an hour's drive from home. I checked the balance on my personal Barclays card, £9.60. Come on, Gracie, I said. She looked tired and cold. I was so worried about the three dogs I'd left at home. We got on the train, terrified the ticket collector would come along and ask to see our tickets. It was only £6 each, but I simply didn't have it. 
Nick's apple pay on her watch had died. Luckily, Nick's mum picked us up from the station and drove us home. My car was still in York. I was tempted to leave it there. On the train, trying to hide... Gracie was so good, wasn't she? She was really good. She'd never she been on the train, train before. No, so good. Nick kept saying, <laughs> we are where we are. Can I just give people some advice? Never say to me, we are where we are. I was trying to be calm and Buddha-like, you know, just peace and calm. So I said to her, welcome, Nicola, to my world. Because this, has been my level of stress for 40 years. My first season in Milan for the mail, unable to get into a single fashion show, I called my assistant Becky in tears. I'm sorry, she said. Name, name. And if you give me enough money, I'll tell you who it was. Took every one of your requests for tickets off the fax machine. (gasps) No. That's industrial espionage, isn't it? That's mean. What an ass! Hearing to Manchester Airport to catch a, cha- a plane to Venice, I called the office, screaming, Which terminal? Which terminal? Only to learn the woman who booked my flights had gone home at 6pm. I arrived in Venice at midnight with no money, as she'd not transferred any, and no idea how to, to get a boat to my hotel. Nick had to send me her rent money. Do you remember that? I do remember. And that, that was the start of copy that, wasn't it? Do you remember? Yeah. That was the start I of... was Jack Bauer. <laughs> you were that funny lesbian oh, woman. I was the woman in the office giving you directions of how to get to copy the taxi that, Copy that, copy that. Go left, go right at the tunnel. Copy that. <laughs> when I finally checked into my hotel, they told me they don't do food. <laughs> It was literally a disaster, wasn't it? Trailing Boris Johnson on the Brexit campaign, booked at a hotel in Bristol, I couldn't find it. I became entangled in yet another hideous one-way system. I literally phoned you in tears, didn't I? I can't find the hotel. I can't find the hotel. I can't find the hotel. And the worst thing is, is truly, I am the last person you want on the end of the phone to give directions I am the absolute worst, and, and I was trying to direct you, and it didn't go well, did it? Didn't it? Didn't go well. Well, yet again, sent to join the queue past the Queen's coffin last year. It didn't take the thirty hours the papers had been reporting. Do you know there were Samaritans walking alongside the queue? I mean, seriously, everyone was giggling and laughing and drinking prosecco, meaning I was stranded. Because it ended so early with no hotel at 2am and my suitcase. When I landed from La Paz Airport in Bolivia at Heathrow to find my car deep in snow, I had to use a Pixie Lot CD to scrape it off. I stopped to get petrol. I was so stressed I left my car by the till. When I realised, drove back, the men in the petrol station said they knew I'd left my card, but they didn't run after me because it was snowing. Oh, poor them. Chippy, lazy bastards. <laughs> Nick. You. Me. It's now an illustration. A nice skinny young one with a swingy ponytail. Is now wasting half a day and more money taking a train to collect my car, which has been held hostage in a multi-storey car park. 
I have cystitis and every joint aches. I am stressed on a cellular level. She actually said that on the platform. I am stressed on a cellular but level. But I am. My cells are stressed. It was just the way you said it. I am stressed on a cellular level. Truly, dear reader, I cannot go on like this. I can't. I can't. The level of stress I am put under is literally unbelievable. I don't just rock up at an office and eat pretzel manger sandwiches and go home at five o'clock. The stress is unbelievable. But they'd actually left, on that Venice one, they'd actually left you with no money, no tickets to get into the show you were supposed to say. Nothing. I was dressed as Beyonce. I didn't have any makeup with me. No, it was pretty awful, wasn't I it? I get seasick in gondolas. But we did get copy that out of it. We did. Which has stayed with us for the last 10 years. Do you know what my moans are? Not me, I hope. Fennec. <laughs> what department store shuts at 7pm? You deserve to go out of business, you chippy bastards. Multi-storey car parks. Yes. York. I'm never going to York again. I'll get flashbacks. No, it was it 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 wasn't Horrendous. a good experience. It wasn't a good experience, I have to say. You can read this week's diary in full on Mail on Sunday's You magazine. Now we had some very sad news this week, didn't we, Nicola? We did. Raquel Welch died. Do you know she's got the same birthday as me? Not the same year. Not the same year, Twitter trolls, columnist of the Sunday Times. Not the same year. (laughs) I offered up my services this week because I've actually spent time in a hotel with Raquel Walsh to do her obituary and I wasn't wanted. I was surplus to requirements. No, give it here, give it here. I've actually met her. Oh, I love Raquel Welsh. Wasn't she beautiful? Beautiful. Her, Sophie Lorraine, they were they were just like iconic, weren't they? Just absolutely lovely. So this is my interview with Raquel Welsh from 2006 at the Plaza Athena Inn Hotel, my second favourite hotel in the world. I wouldn't know. The question there, the question there, Nick, who isn't Jeremy Paxman, would be, "What's your first? What's your first? The Piggott Coombe." The Piggott Coombe, it's not quite the same, is it, as Paris? No, the Piggott Coombe is beautiful. Really? Yeah. Well, as good as Paris? The Plaza Athena is beautiful. Even the, even the air is different. I've smelt the Plaza Athena candle. They gave me a candle. That's why I've smelt it, because I've obviously never been. Lovely, lovely. So I could have written an obituary of Raquel Welsh, because I've actually met her. And I think that's quite important. So tell all, then. Tell us about Raquel. I'm in Raquel Welch's suite at the Plaza Athena Hotel in Paris. Its French windows flung open to reveal a view of the Avenue Montaigne, Dior and the Eiffel Tower. The room is stuffed with white tulips and with people. I've waited inside many a superstar's hotel suite, but never before have I been in the company of so many minions. There's her manager, Steve. All right, Steve. Her personal assistant, two publicists, two makeup artists, lots of young people dressed head to toe in black. 
The reason I'm here is that Rakel Welsh has been hired by the cosmetics company MAC to front a new range. She is apparently beauty icon number four, following the footsteps of Liza Minnelli, Catherine Deneuve and Diana Ross. I'm coming up. I want the, the world, world to, to know. Got to let it go. Oh, hey. <laughs> that, that's Michael Jackson. That's Michael Jackson. I'm slightly nervous as I'm ushered into her presence. She's really intimidating. Is she? And I remember emailing my editor and she said, how did it go? And I said, she's as prickly as a hedgehog. She had good cheekbones, though. Previous interviewers have called her difficult and terrifying. Fellow actors have described her as rude and unprofessional. But today, meeting me, she seems very small and very alone. She grasps my hands. I've actually touched Raquel Welsh. I, I have, I have, men I have. very jealous of that. She smiles. She has the teeth of a 20-year-old who's never had a cup of coffee. She too is dressed all in black with a plunging top that reveals her famous cleavage. She has none of that crepey, dappled skin you say you see on so many women of a certain age. We sit on the sofa next to each other. She is next to a cardboard effigy of herself in the new campaign. Even 16-year-old Estonian supermodels don't bear the scrutiny of being placed right bang next to their airbrushed cardboard look-alike. But she doesn't come off too badly. Her forehead is very smooth. Her hazel eyes are sparkling, her mouth very full. I try to work out whether she has had plastic surgery. I think her massive chamomile hair might be a wig. But I think the reason she looks so good is that her legendary cheekbones hold everything up like temples. Isn't it an enormous amount of hard work, I ask her, looking like this decade after decade after decade? Doesn't she have days when she just can't be asked? She laughs. Her voice reminds me of the bunny in the old caramel ads. I am a professional beauty, and yes, I put my act together every day. I have to. I have the feeling I can't be bothered ten times a day, but this is my job. I am Raquel. This is my image. I've made peace with that. What would she never leave home without? My false eyelashes, she says. I told the people at MAC that they had to include false eyelashes. I've worn them all my life. They drag your eye out, give you a feline look. How hands-on was she with the makeup? I told them, let me do my look. I'm half Latin. There are so many Latinos and Middle Eastern women who have a similar skin tone and sensibility to me. This makeup is for them. What does she look like without the wall paint, without any makeup? I look like a little grey wren, she says. Even that's poetic. Most people say, I look like shit. No, I look no, like a little No, but she does look like a little bird. Wren. Isn't that sweet, though? It's very poetic. I remind her she once said she got over her fear of ageing when she hit her 40s. Around 40, 42, Raquel says, I thought it's all supposed to be over, but this isn't over. I feel good. I look good. I'm just getting my acts together. Now they're going to discount me. 50, though, that was harder. That's when the hormones change. I took HRT and I did yoga. It stimulates the whole endocrine system. See, this is where you're going wrong, Nicola. What? Not You're not stimulating your endocrines. It's a long time since any damn thing's been stimulated apart from Magic Mike. She took up yoga at the age of 35, introduced to Bikram Chowdhury. Yoga wasn't just about getting my ass in shape. Suddenly, all the insecurity from my childhood was swept away. Of course, I have days when I don't want to do yoga. 
But I think, am I getting arthritis in my hip and I do it? I'm curious about how it must have felt waking up every day knowing she was the stuff of millions of men's fantasies. That isn't us, is it, Nicola? I have a face a dog wouldn't lick and you're just like... (laughs) What? Well, I'm certainly not anyone's fantasy, unfortunately. I didn't ever think of myself as a raving beauty, she says. I never woke up and thought, oh, it's so great to be me, Raquel Welsh. I was always afraid of being found out. I wasn't a fantasy creature of amazing proportions. When I got off the plane in London in the mid-1960s, I was thinking, everyone here will know I'm nothing special. She grew tired of the attention, but by then it was too late. I thought, I can't walk around like this all the time. I'm just getting tired of this. I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me, but it was just boring. When she looks at the iconic 1966 picture of herself in a doe-skin bikini on the set of One Million Years BC, she says, I don't know that person anymore. I I can remember her, but that's not me at all. I never really looked like that. There was makeup. There was full body makeup. There was a costume. There was lighting. I was a single mother of two when that photo was taken, but no one knew that at the time. It's hard to believe, but there I was on top of that volcano and down at the bottom of the hill in a motel with my two children. Her early nickname was Birdlegs. <laughs> After puberty, though, people started to notice her and she was crowned Miss La Holla and Miss Southern California before dropping out of college. And she got married to a high school sweetheart. She wasn't cut out to be a housewife, though. When she was offered a screen test, her husband said, those phony movie people, I don't like that kind of stuff. And so she left them, taking their two children, and went to Los Angeles. I'm highly emotional, she said. Everything I've done has been about being swept off by an emotion. I'm a smart woman, but my brain was never, ever able to stop me. When I got to LA, I didn't have any contacts, not one name. I didn't even own a car, but I had a feeling it was going to happen. I tell her that we share the same birthday. Not the same year, columnist on the Sunday Times. Not the same year. I wonder whether, like me, she's annoyingly perfectionist Virgo. I'm totally self-critical. She says nothing is good enough. My father was never happy with anything that I did. Even today, I have to remind myself that I don't have to be anxious. I have to put those feelings aside. And also, you know, she came of age in the 60s. She was a very, very early champion of diversity. Mm. So she said to me, I asked her, were her Latin looks a hindrance when it came to finding acting work? And they wanted to change her name from Raquel to Debbie. They wanted her to be more American. Helpful. And she said, well... I was playing the Queen of the Shell people in One Million Years BC and they insisted my hair had to be blonde. She reenacted for me her opening scene. There's me in a hotel with Raquel Welsh and she is saying, Me Leona, you too, Mac. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love that. <laughs> but she says, I think I overturned racial prejudice, not by standing on a soapbox. For my first movie, they put this chalky white makeup on me and I thought, is there anything wrong with my skin? Why make it pale? She was the first actress to have a natural suntan look on screen. She was always coming up with ideas for a role, only to be slapped down. 
I wasn't supposed to have a brain, but I'm not stupid. I was feisty. I was always being hauled into the front office at Fox. And Daryl Zunick would say to me, you and Shirley MacLaine are driving me crazy. <laughs> After our long, long rambling talk, I come away with the feeling that her great beauty has been a curse as well as a gift. I don't want people to think I'm ungrateful, she says. To have people think you're a knockout is a huge advantage, but it doesn't get you roles like those offered to Judy Dench and Helen Mirren. You see, she, even she wanted something else. Incredibly beautiful, but yeah. she wants to be Judy Dench or Helen Mirren. I think it doesn't matter how beautiful you are, and obviously this isn't something I have experience with, but I'm assuming you, you've still got your ambitions you've still got your desires you still want to be better you still want to do more don't you you don't want to just coast through life because you've got a beautiful face or big boobs or whatever it is you want more don't you You want to be taken seriously i just i just felt she hadn't had a happy life and the men in her life didn't make her happy and her career didn't really make her happy and i suppose at that sort of time if you were a successful woman... I don't know if they gave her on. a free candle, but they gave me a free candle. I don't know if they gave Raquel a free candle. In the Plaza Athena. God, that hotel is so beautiful. I wouldn't know. I'd be staying in the travel lodge in Paris. You'll be staying in the happy pillow. <laughs> in the happy pillow. <laughs> no Plaza Athena for me. Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. Letters? Letters. Lettuce. <laughs> have we lettuce? Well, it is. We have Chloe, not David. Everybody now is not Everyone David. Everyone who emails now says, it's Chloe, not David. It's Malcolm, not David. It's David, not David. We have everybody, but not David. But I think it's so sweet that all the listeners get our jokes. No, well, I, <laughs> do you remember we had one lady didn't know what an ant- antidote was? We thought we didn't know what anecdote was. Bless her. But I think she's caught up now, so she understands now. Right. I think she's caught up with you us. You sent her a very stern email. No, no. I just I just go to the archive. It's a joke. Bless her. Hi, Liz and Nick. You have both talked before about films or programmes that you would love to be the lead character in. Did we? Yeah, we have. We sort of said, weren't we, that we wanted to be in Dirty Dancing. We, we, all, we both wanted to be Baby in Dirty Dancing. We did. No, I didn't really. I'd want to be the detective in the fall. Really? Whatever her name is. You wouldn't want Gillian to be, Anderson. You wouldn't be wanting to dance with Patrick Swayze in the melon. Really? Really? Well, she's a bit short, isn't she? Really? Okay. So, back to Chloe, not David. She says... How about telling us what film you do actually feel that you're living in? Well, didn't I say to you today, it feels like a horror movie? It did. It did. Because the wind suddenly started and it was like like a horror movie. It was was like like Damien, Omen 2. It was. We were walking up the hill, weren't we, in the field and the wind started whistling. What film do I feel like I'm living in? 
I'm not in a cabin. I'm not in a rom-com. Definitely not in a rom-com. It's a horror, isn't it? You're in a horror. I'm in a horror. <laughs> Insidious? <laughs> what film are you in? I'm not in a film. I'm are you in... in a carry-on film? No, I'm not. I'm not in a carry-on film. I'm in the Catherine Tate show. My life is the Catherine Tate show. Because I'm Lauren, bothered. Am I bothered, though? And I swear to God, I used to but say But you've bothered. even got pram face hairstyle. In it. I honestly, I was saying bothered before Catherine Tate did. I she copied you. No, I should have copyrighted that because I did say when I was at school, am I bothered? I swear I did. She was lurking and she heard me. And then, of course, I've got my mum who's in the Catherine Tate show because she's the, she's the nan. Do you know what I mean? She's the nan. What a fucking liberty. Once mum goes, you never know what she's going to come out with. You never know. You can be having a perfectly nice conversation with someone and all of a sudden she'll come out with something and you just want to die. And then but, I'm, you. but I'm like the Catherine Tate character who screams at everything. Yes. So her husband opens a bag of crisps. Ah! The doorbell rings. Ah! The dog moves. <laughs> Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday. But for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.